Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Awesome. Who loves Jesus? Hey, who's glad to be here? It's great to see so many of you. Um, let's give it up for the youth guys for organising tonight. They've done a great job. It's great. Even Jaden, I set him up at the end there and told him the wrong thing and he recovered nicely. Good job, Jaden. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about um, our theme for Easter, which is Love Never Fails. And uh, now I've got a, a bit of an analogy, and as I've been kind of testing it on people, most people don't know what the heck I'm talking about, so this is going to be interesting. But uh, has anyone ever played the game Red Rover? Oh, sweet, good, awesome. Okay, there's a few people. So basically this game is, okay, we used to play it at youth group, and I have, uh, still have a broken arm from it. No, but it's, it's one of those games that's probably banned now. You're probably not allowed to play it. Um, but this game basically involved two teams lining up on either side, and then you're holding hands, which you're not allowed to do that anymore, okay, no touching. Um, you're holding hands, and then you'd be like, Red Rover, Red Rover, call Adrian right over. And then Adrian would have to leave his side and run over to our side. And if he broke through the chain of people, then he gets to go free. If he doesn't break through, he's now added to our team. Anyone played that game before? A few more hands going up. We used to call it Red Rover, Red Rover, rip my arm from my shoulder. It was a great game. And there's a great power move you could do as well. If you saw a big guy coming and he's looking really confident, you could just kind of wink at your mate. And then uh, as he's, run, he's about to put his shoulder in, you just let go and he hits the floor like a sack of bricks. It's great. Um, oh, good times. So, is, uh, is Tom Tom here tonight? Stand up, Tom Tom. Tom Tom. Now, Tom Tom, are you 14? Is that right? 15 now. Okay. Look at the size of this guy, okay? He's, he's huge. That's, you can sit down, thanks, mate. You'll still see him even when he sits down. Tom Tom is a big boy, and Tom Tom is the guy that if you were playing Red Rover, everyone gets out of Tom Tom's way, okay? There's always one in every youth group. You, you know the one I'm talking about. You can probably picture him back in your days of playing. But you know, when Tom Tom's running at you, you either decide to stand there and let your arm be dislocated, or you decide, I'm just going to let him go. Like, you're just going to let him pass. And so that's, that's kind of what we're, we're playing, playing with. We're not allowed to play that anymore. Isn't that sad, guys? Wouldn't we love to play that at youth group again and dislocate some arms? It's going to be fun. Okay. Now, you may be wondering the relevance of this story a little bit, probably. Um, but basically, what I want to talk to you today about is that love conquered all. And, you know, Jesus... His love was so bold and so fierce. He's kind of a little bit like Tom Tom running at you. His love broke through everything that was up against him. For those of you who don't know, Jesus is a guy that we talk about a lot here at Restore Church. And he's a guy that lived about 2,000 years ago. And I'll give you a really quick, brief summary of his life. Jesus is basically God in human form. God is God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and, and the Son. So Jesus is the Son, and God sent His Son to earth to be born as a baby. That's Christmas time, okay? I know it's not Christmas now, but that's what Christmas is about, about Jesus coming to earth, about God humbling Himself and becoming a human, which is crazy, to become a fragile little baby. 
And so he came to earth and Jesus lived his life on earth perfectly. He didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He lived a great life and he lived his life in such a way to serve other people. He gave his entire life to, to love other people and not the people that were popular, but the misfits, the people that didn't have anyone else to love them. He was the one who hung around with the people that you shouldn't be associated with. Jesus was the kind of guy that performed incredible miracles and peace. He, we saw uh, blind eyes being opened as we sang in that song, you know, uh, deaf ears opened, blind eyes opened. We saw people raised from the dead. Jesus did incredible miracles and he gathered this huge following of people who were just like, this guy's a revolutionary. He's going to change the world. And so he got this massive following and, and people started, he started getting very popular. And so these religious leaders of the time around the age of, Jesus was about the age of 30, 30-ish. These guys were like, he's a threat. We've got to take him out. And so they were worried that he was going to take over the power that they had. And so these guys wanted to kill him. So we're going to kind of pick up the story there. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can turn to Luke 22. We're going to be in Luke 22 and 23. And I'm a big fan of the NLT, so I'm going to read from that. So Jesus is here. We're going to pick up the story on Thursday night, either Thursday night or very, very early Friday morning, which I still count as Thursday night. If it's 1 a.m. Friday morning, I'm still counting that as a Thursday night. Anyone else? That's like, that's not morning yet, right? That's still nighttime. But anyway, so Jesus is there. He's super late. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he's gone there many times to pray before. And so he goes and his disciples are with him. They're his closest friends, his allies, the guys that he's kind of training. And he asks for them to pray with him and to stay awake and just to support him because he knows he's about to go into a terrifying moment. And so he asks if these guys could support him in this moment. And we'll pick up the story there. Jesus is in the garden. Luke 22, verse 41. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. We see the humanity of Jesus in this moment. He wasn't a man in cheat mode. He was God, fully man. And he is scared. He's terrified. He's so scared. He's so stressed that he's literally dripping blood. I've never been that afraid. I've been pretty scared in my life, but never so afraid that I'm stressed to be dripping blood. He's, he's so human in this moment. And he doesn't want to go through with it. He even asks God, God, if there's another way, can we do it another way? Now, it's one thing to be courageous and to kind of get thrown into a situation where you don't exactly know what the outcome's going to be. We hear a lot, of, a lot of our stories of heroes, of people that decided in a moment of chaos or confusion or danger to step up and to, to beat fear and to, to do something great. But it's another thing to have a story like Jesus where you know exactly what's going to happen. You know that you're about to be in the most excruciating pain. You know that you're about to be abandoned. You know that you're about to face persecution. You know you're about to face abuse. You know you're about to be betrayed. You know you're about to face injustice. You know you're about to be separated from God for the very first time. And he sits in that moment, and yet he still chooses to go ahead with it. Like, that's incredible courage. Jesus, in that moment, his courage came from something greater. His, his courage came from his love. Love broke through his fear in the garden. 
God loved you so much that he decided to go through everything that was going to happen to him in that moment. And we're going to continue on. Judas, uh, Judas comes and Judas is another one of his supposedly closest friends. Judas betrays him. Judas hands him over to this mob of people who, who want his neck. And so this mob shows up and they arrest Jesus and the disciples take off in confusion and fear. So all of his closest allies who said, we'll be there with you, Jesus, till the end, they're gone. And so Jesus is now alone. And this one guy, Peter, Jesus told Peter, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, no way, I will never deny you. And we're going to look at a little bit of Peter's story. Luke 22 again, but now down to verse 54. So the mob, they arrested Jesus. They led him to the high priest's home and Peter followed at a distance. The guard lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, I, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times. That you'll deny three times that you don't even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So Jesus' closest friends have left him, but even Peter, who said, I'll be there no matter what. And what's crazy is Peter denies him in this moment, and Jesus is right there. Jesus sees him, and he looks at him in that moment. Like, that would have been such an intense moment. And Peter takes off, weeping, feeling pretty guilty, I'm, I'm guessing. And so now Jesus is truly alone. He's about to go through one of the hardest things, or the hardest thing that he's done in his lifetime, and he's facing it all by himself. But again, Jesus doesn't quit there. For me, I definitely would have quit there. I would have quit back in the Garden of Gethsemane. I would have quit probably way before that. But Jesus continues to go through. Love breaks through again. Love breaks through his feeling of abandonment, his feeling of hurt and betrayal. His love for us was greater than that. You see, Jesus could have walked away at any point. One of the ways he could have done it is simply that in the New Testament, a bunch of times he does this ninja move where it just says, and Jesus disappeared into the crowd. It's like everyone's there to try and kill him and he just like disappears. He has like this kind of magic trick, which is awesome. Right, so he could have done that, but he doesn't do that. The other thing he could have done is that he is he's God. So he has, the, he has the heavens at his disposal. He could have called down an angel army that could have broken him free. He could have got out of there. But in every moment he chooses to keep going through what he's facing. So now they've got him and they, they want him killed. So they take him to the Roman authorities and ask to give him the death penalty. And so this guy named Pilate, who's kind of the leader at the time, he says, okay, let's look at him. So they, they start to look at his, his, his life and what he's done and they're asking him questions. And Jesus kind of stays pretty quiet. He doesn't really say much. And so Pilate can't find a reason to kill this guy. And so he's like, we'll send him to Herod. So they send him to Herod who's a greater leader, um, and, and he goes to Herod, and Herod says, same thing, I can't find anything wrong with this guy, I don't know why you want to kill him, he sends him back to Pilate, and we're going to pick up the story there in Luke 23, verse 13, then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders, along with the people, and he announced his verdict, 
You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I've examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I'll have him flogged and then I'll release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Not a great guy. Pilate argued with him because they, he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Man, it's crazy. Jesus doesn't defend himself, even in this moment. He's done nothing wrong, but he doesn't try and state his case. He doesn't make an excuse. He goes, keeps on going through with it. He spent his whole life serving these people, and now they're shouting, they're screaming, kill him. It's like the most unjust thing that could happen. A guy who's completely innocent is now being put on death row for nothing just because people don't want him there. But Jesus' love was greater than that injustice. Again, Jesus' love broke through his need to defend himself, to state his case. His love was greater And even in that moment, he loved the people that were screaming for him to be killed. I don't know about you, but I hate it when someone accuses me of doing something that I haven't done. To accuse you of doing the wrong thing or whatever. And if if you're anything like me, I'll I'll explode if I don't get to explain my situation. It's like, no, I'm innocent. I promise you, just hear me out. Like, I need to tell people, I haven't done anything here. And that's not for really much of a big deal, usually. It's like if I... I don't know, left the toilet seat up or something, right? But Jesus in this moment where he's being accused of something incredibly, totally false and and with huge consequences, doesn't feel the need to defend himself. Jesus goes through with this unjust trial because he loves you. So then they begin to beat him. They strip him naked, which that alone would be humiliating. They whip him over his entire body, and it's so bad that the Bible says he was unrecognizable. He then carries this huge wooden cross through the streets, naked, bleeding, and people are screaming insults at him as he does this. People are spitting on him. It's utter humiliation. He's in excruciating pain. And again, the people that he came to save are now abusing him. They stick a crown of thorns into his head and they mock him as king of the Jews. And then they take these nails and they drive them through his hands and through his feet and they nail him to the cross and they stand him up for everyone to see. If it was me in that situation, obviously you'd be absolutely humiliated. But I think I would also be like super angry at the injustice of it all at the people that I've given my life for and they're so ungrateful. Angry at like the mocking and the, all of it. Like it would make me rage. But in that moment while he's hanging on the cross, listen to what he says, Luke 23 verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in the midst of being tortured and treated like scum of the earth, Jesus still cares about the people that are around him. His love was stronger than his anger. 
His love was stronger than his fear. His love was stronger than his humiliation. His love was stronger than his need to defend himself. His love was stronger than his betrayal. Jesus' love is so great that he willingly hung on that cross for you and for me. It was love that held him there to that cross. I would have given up at every single one of those points. I would have bailed at the get-go. But Jesus willingly goes through with it all because he loves you. And as he's hanging there between these two criminals, these guys who have, have done the wrong thing, they're on either side of him. Even one of them begins to mock him. And in verse 39, it says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and save us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. This criminal in his last moments, he realizes who Jesus is. He was surrounded by a bunch of people who didn't see it. But this guy hanging on a cross realizes that this is the king of kings. He realizes that this is his, his chance to be saved. And I love this moment here because it's so simple. I think so often we overcomplicate what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. We think you have to do X, Y, and Z. We think you have to pray this and say that and don't do this and don't do that. And maybe if you do a bunch of those things, then maybe your name will be put in the book of life. And we have all of these kind of categories and these, these formulas and these checklists and things we have to get done if we want to make sure we can be saved. But here it's so simple. He simply just repents. He says, we deserve to be here. I've, I've done the wrong thing. And he believes. He says, you're the king. Remember me. Jesus said that so much while he was on earth. Repent and believe. It's as simple as that. I love that moment of repentance. He realized that he deserved to be on that cross. He deserved the punishment that he was taking. He knew that he had done the wrong thing. He was sorry for what he'd done, but then he believed. He saw who Jesus was. He realized that he was face to face with the king, the king of a kingdom so great, the greatest kingdom we will ever see. And so he reaches out and he says, would you remember me? And Jesus hears his faith and sees him in that moment and he responds. You see, we're all like that criminal, me included. We've all done the wrong thing. We've all sinned, as the Bible calls it. We've all made mistakes. We've all hurt people. We've hurt ourselves. This world is broken because of our choices and our consequences. And part of truly following Jesus is, is that repentance step. It's that you're not making an excuse for your sin. You've realized, I made a mess of my life. I'm not going to deny that any longer. And you turn to the one who can actually help you believe that maybe, just maybe Jesus could actually restore my life. Maybe Jesus could actually bring freedom. Maybe he could actually bring me something better, give me more than I've, I'm actually able to do on my own. I don't know about you, but I've tried living life on my own without Jesus, without surrendering to him, and I just keep making it worse and worse and worse. I can't keep trying to make it better, and it gets worse. But maybe just maybe Jesus is actually who he says he is. 
And he is the one who can save your soul. He's the one who can actually save your life. He can actually give you something better than you ever dreamed. In this life here on earth and in the one to come, he's a God of restoration. There is no one that is too far from him. Not even a criminal hanging on a cross in his last moments. Jesus wants to save your soul. Jesus wants to live with you. He wants to know you. He wants to enter into a relationship with you where you know him and he knows you where you communicate with each other, where you spend time in His presence. Jesus wants to be with you. He loves you so much that 2,000 years ago, He went through all of that because He saw you and me, because He saw that people in the future needed saving. We deserve that punishment. We deserve what Jesus took, but Jesus stood in our place, a perfect, sinless, faultless man, and He became the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to make you raise your hand so you don't have to freak out. Because I want something genuine. I don't want you to do something in a moment of hype. I don't want you to, to do something just because you feel pressured by the person next to you or anything. If we could just all bow our heads and close our eyes and just focus on Jesus right now. Even you guys at home who are watching, if you want to join us, you can bow your heads and just close your eyes and just focus on Him. If you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe returning to Him, I just want you to do that. Just like that criminal did, just say, God, I'm sorry, I made a mess. I can't do this on my own. And you could turn to the one who can help you. You could turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I want to follow you. Maybe you don't even know him yet, but it's a step of faith. I don't even know if you're the one, Jesus, but, but I'm willing to give this a shot. So why don't you just pray to him right now? He can hear your thoughts. He can hear you talking to him. He's listening. He's here in this moment. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for what you've done. Thank you for loving me so much. I want to love you back. I want to learn to love you more. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I just pray for everyone in this room, especially those right now who are in this moment of handing over, of surrendering their life, it might be a broken mess, God, but there is no one too far from you. There is no mess that you can't restore. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you so much that you gave your life, that we could have freedom, that we could have life, Lord God. We don't deserve it, but we thank you so much for this precious gift. And we want to turn to you today and remember who you are. Remember what you've done for us. Remember all you overcame to love us to show us how much you love us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now on Sunday, we're going to be meeting here together and we're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus. We're going to talk about how love broke through one more time as Jesus rose from the dead. 
It broke the power of sin and death once and for all that we could have freedom and life. And that's an exciting thing. That's something worth celebrating. 